Okay, Parsha today, Vayishlach, quickly. Again, another huge, massive Parsha. Yaakov sends messengers to Esau, right? Finds out he's coming with 400 men, prepares in three different ways. He makes a gift, he splits the camp into two, right? He davens, uh, does his shtadlis in that way. Uh, before he meets Esau, he has the fight with Esau's angel. Uh, and then he meets Esau himself, and, you know, they kind of, you know, go back and forth. Uh, and then they decide to split up as well afterwards. Uh, this obviously very, very quickly. Uh, after that episode, Dina, uh, Rahman al-Salan, is raped. Uh, and then Shechem and his father, Hamor, want to come and try and get Yaakov's family to intermarry. And then Shimon and Levi are not hearing it, and they, they, they mess them over. Like they, they tell them to circumcise themselves, and they come in, and they wipe out the entire city. Uh, Yaakov uh, goes to Beit El, uh, and Hashem tells him to make a Mizbeach. Uh, we have the de- death of Rivka and her nurse, Devorah. Right, the text only mentions Devorah, but that's, uh, it's an allusion to Rivka passing away. Kosh Baruch appears to Yaakov and then blesses him and calls him Yisrael, right? even though the Malach did that after Angel- Yaakov won the fight. So that was only just a kind of a, a portend of what was going to happen. Kosh Baruch now comes and officially changes Yaakov's name to Yisrael. Very fascinating that by Avram and Yoshua, right, we, uh, we have a permanent name change, but here, as I'm sure you know, right, the Torah will continue to refer to Yaakov as Yaakov and Yisrael. Okay, just something interesting uh, to note. We're not going to talk about that right now. Uh, Binyamin uh, is born. Rachel passes away. Uh, Ruvain uh, moves Yaakov's bed into the tent of his mother. Right? And then the Torah right, debate in terms of what uh, what's going on over there. Ya- Yitzchak passes away after Yaakov comes back, or Yaakov and Esau bury him. And then you have uh, 43 psukim worth uh, of the lineage uh, of Esau. Okay, so let's just talk about quickly, uh, you know, what, a couple of Vortlach, and then, uh, and then we'll hopefully have a meet you guys on zoom next week mitzvah uh in person uh rashi pretty well known rashi at the beginning of this week's parsha yaakov sends a message to esav right he says i'm love garti uh and and i live with Lavan and vaychar adata i was living there for until now 22 years etc so rashi says right again the puzzle says Komar avdecha yaakov in Lavan garti vaychar adata and then rashi says what does it mean in Lavan garti Garti, but but gematria taryag, right? It's not only the gematria. If you jumble the words, right, you you can get to taryag. Anyway, Kolomar, in other words, says Rashi, in love on garti v'taryag mitzvah shamarti. But I I lived with Lavan, but I kept the six thirteen. I kept I kept the Torah, and uh, you know pretty well known Rashi quoted you know very often. We learned it when we we're in elementary school. But the problem is that sometimes we stop reading Rashi, and Rashi himself doesn't stop there. He has a couple more words. And he says, again, in love on Garti, Shamarti. And then Rashi says, Velo haraim. And I didn't learn from his bad ways. Yaakov says, I live with Lavan, I kept the 613, and I didn't learn from his bad ways. Now, let me ask you. If Yaakov is telling Esav, I live with Lavan, and I kept the 613, obviously, Yaakov didn't learn from Lavan's evil ways. Right? What would be the added message that Yaakov is telling Esav? Of I didn't learn from his evil ways. Well, yeah, obviously, if he kept all the mitzvahs, right? Why, what does Yaakov have to say that even, right? So those extra words, like it should be obvious. So I heard from Yisha Kenigsberg when I was Shanabed in, uh, in the yeshiva. So he said it's comparable uh, to another question, right? The Chazal tell us, right? The Gemara said, uh, I think it's, I, mean, I forget if it's a Gemara, but it's definitely the Ramban, in Parshish Yisro, that the Torah was given Eshechora al Gabi Eshlavana. That the Torah was given black fire on top of white fire, and if you look at the, you know Sefer Torah, you can see that play out. Right, if you just from a 
looking on top of the Torah, like very blurry, right? The, the letters look like fire. They look like, you know, in that style with the, with the, with the keter on top and, and the whole deal, right? It looks like there's black fire on top of white fire. Now, I understand why the black letters are fire, right? Strict letter of the law, right? The harshness, potential of punishment, should you disobey? It's fire, right? The letters of the Torah is fire. That imagery, that I get. But why do you have to call the parchment behind the black fire white fire it should have just been black fire on top of white what's black fire on top of white fire what's the image what's the message of of the parchment of the backdrop being fire so explain of Kenigsberg that Torah halacha is obviously firm binding absolute etc but strict Torah law does not govern every single situation in life it, it covers every aspect of life but it doesn't necessarily govern every situation. For example, let's say you're really modeling your house. Right? There is no simon in Shulchan Aruch that says whether you should spend 40 bucks on a faucet or $100 on a faucet. But Tachlis, if you spent $40 on a faucet, and it is, ostensibly it looks fine, and then you have $60 to spend on, I don't know, Lulu, Vanessa, Mitzvot, etc. Right? There's a, a way that the Torah wants you to live your life. I learned from Marebi or Venus and Sachs many times, or Vasha Weiss talks about this many a times, that there's something called Ratzona Torah. There's something the Torah wants from us. It's, 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 that's the white fire. It's the gray areas in life where there may not necessarily be a halacha governing X, Y, and Z, and you could go either way. Uh, and and you person who, again a person who makes their money and, and wants to spend a hundred dollars on a faucet and and because of the hate you know whatever, but there's a there's a way the Torah wants us to live our life, and that's the white fire that's the backdrop, right? If that and that's that's what what Yaakov was saying that Lola Manatim that yes Enochinami he kept the six thirteen the mitzvahs the halacha, that for sure, but also Lola Manatim Maisev Harayim I wasn't influenced says Yaakov in my worldview, in the gray areas, in the way I live my life, in the Ratzonah Torah, I'm still living my life according to the Ratzonah Torah. I don't have, you know, some sort of Lovan's uh, you know, philosophy sprinkled in there. I mean, that is, that is a very, and that's a very, very, very Hashua message, because very often we think of the Torah as like a, a law book. Wait, this halacha, that halacha, this law, that law. It's important sometimes to see the forest for the trees in the sense that there's a way of life that the Torah wants us to live. And that's obviously through the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs of the Hechatim, so to get there. But obviously, there's a there's an overarching uh, kind of goal here of of a, of a way of uh, a lifestyle, and that is that is something that we need to keep keep in mind very often. I then saw another amazing shot, a different shot uh, that uh, in Nussan Svi Finkel they have Sigos to Rabbi Nussan Svi. He didn't write it, but they uh, they compiled it after he passed away. Passed away. That this message was Yaakov, obviously message to Esau, but also message to the generations. That uh, that for the gener- there is no limitation to a person's avodas Hashem. Meaning, said was Yaakov was saying that he kept it. Well, let's explain it for a second, then we'll explain the the, the actual point of Rashi. Right? There's no point in time where a person can claim, oh, you know what, I just can't be to- Shomer Torah Mitzvos right now. I, I just can't. I just can't keep the six thirteen right now. I can't. I can't, you know, I can't deal right now because what? Think about Yaakov. Yaakov spent twenty years in Russia, in a Russia's house, in Lovin's house, and he, it's, as he says to Lovin himself, right at the end of last week's parsha, at night he was freezing. In the winter he was freezing out with the sheep, 
uh, with the ice and the snow, etc. And there was summer, he was sweating like crazy. The heat was unbearable. He never slept. Right, his boss love unchanged his wages a hundred times. Right, he thought he was marrying one woman, ended up marrying another woman. The woman he loved couldn't have kids. Right, Yaakov was saying even with all of that, all of that sorrows, not only did he kept the six thirteen, but he also lolamati maisevarayim. I wasn't influenced by the extenuating circumstances surrounding his life meaning that life always has stress right? but it, but stre- but that's not an excuse says yaakov yes okay for specific things is an excuse like you go to minion at uh, you know it's written on the shoe board nine o'clock minions so you show up to minion and there's only you know eight jews there and you know it's at some point 9 15 9 20 there's no other minion in the town okay so there's an excuse for individual things but overall there's no limitations to the responsibility of a Jew to be Torah, Shomer, Torah, Mitzvahs, even in the face of extreme, extreme hardships. And Yaakov did it, and that was one of the worst environments possible. And not only that, but right? he wasn't influenced by that, and he didn't look for excuses right, in other uh, in other areas and, and say and claim onus and claim that he was you know he's potter there is a concept yes onus rachman patri that uh, that extenuating circumstances exempt us from certain mitzvos but in terms of his overall life view and keeping to our mitzvos right he wasn't didn't say oh you know what's too hard I, I can't I'm just I'm a shepherd I'm all hours in the field I can't I can't I just no, I'll, whenever I finish this job or whenever I finish this I'll, then I'll I'll get back into learning Yaakov made no excuses right? I, I like to I always had a friend Jacob Pizem lives now in Cleveland, he was, uh, lived in Mavisarit when we were there, so he said to me once, and I never forgot it, he said, a person at every point in his life, his or her life, have two options, right, have, regardless of what's happening, right, you have either the opportunity to survive, not the opportunity, you have either, a person can either survive or thrive, right, and sometimes, right, a person, yes, sometimes a person needs to put their head down and just get through something, but there's never a point in a person's life where they're totally absolved, where they can just chuck it for a week, a month, a year, a Jew has the ability to rise above, right, and be Shomer Torah Mitzvah, regardless of what's going on, right, that was myself, Islam in the bottom, Yaakov put it into our DNA, right, and who knows, right, maybe sometimes we're put in difficult situations in order so that we can thrive during hard times, because to thrive when things are are going well, right, is, don't get me wrong, is a tremendous level, and it's amazing, and Mr. Shem, we be Zoha, but to thrive when things are tough is an entirely different level completely. So it could very well be that that was a new sign that Kosh Baruch wants you to put into, uh, to, so you can bring out the potential, right, and thrive not only when things are good, but also uh, when things are tough. Okay, one more, uh, uh, along the same lines, um, along the same lines, uh, in the aftermath of Yaakov's fight with Esav, the Pesach says, right, that after right, Yaakov obviously got injured by the Gidav Nasha, right, uh, and after his fight, this, the Pesach says the sun rose for him, right, when he left Penuel, that's where he fought with the angel, and he was he was limping, and the sun rose for him. And Rashi there writes, again, a pretty, I, think, I feel like we learned this in elementary school, that the sun rose in order to heal him, right, the sun has healing powers, that's like a in the Darim, and Dafches, Right, he quotes uh, the Medrash that Yaakov is quoting, uh, it's Tanchum, I think. But the sun rose specifically to heal Yaakov. It says Rav Melech, Rav Melech Biederman, an unbelievable shot. He says, fascinating. Rashi once again continues. He doesn't end like that. He doesn't stop there. He says, when the sun rose early that day in order to hear Yaakov, where did Akash Baruch Hu get those hours from? When the sun rose at 6 instead of at 8. Or, that's not exactly good example. The sun rose at 4 instead of at 6. Right, so where did Hashem get those hours from? He got them from when the sun set early. At the beginning of Parshas Vayetze, right? Yaakov leaves 
on his way to Lavan's house, right? The sun sets early, and he ends up sleeping in Haram Moriah. That's where there's the dream with the ladder, right? The sun set early. It got dark early, so that it would for right, right? Because I'll say that 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 so it would force force Yaakov to spend the night there. Right, so it says, when it got dark early, those hours were stored up away for when Yaakov would need the sun later to heal him. Says Rav Melech, unbelievable. He quotes several Rabban in the shave. It's so very chasim, so very Nassim Adler. Tremendous lesson for us. That even when it seems like the sun is setting, even like when it seems that everything is getting darker early, when things are getting tough, really that's just in order to make the sun rise later on. Right, really, it's just to make make things better later on, right? Kosh Baruch Hu's the refuah to the maka. Kosh Baruch creates the healing before the illness, uh, right? Again, just look, look what happened. Yaakov lost hours on his day when he slept the Haram Moriah, but really, it was just to add hours to a later day to make the sun rise earlier on another day later when he needed a refuah. How many years later was it? that? Was twenty two years later, right? Those things were separated by twenty two years. Yaakov left. Right, he spent twenty years, uh, twenty years in Lavan, and two years before he got home, and that was literally twenty years, more than twenty years later, that Akash Baruch who took something away from him. It looked like it was getting dark, but really it was just an order. Uh, so first of all, that Yaakov could have that spiritual dream, and also so that he could have those hours later on. It says Ramelech, another unbelievable point. Right, we we, we say in benching that Akash Baruch Hu should bless us bakomi kol kol. At the end of benching, right? You guys, you guys are familiar. Right, that's a reference. I don't know if you realize that's a reference to all the avos. It says the word bakol by Avram, mikol by Yitzchak, and kol by Yaakov. Right, by Avram it says Rashem beirachas Avraham bakol. Hashem blessed Avram with everything. By Yitzchak it says vauchel mikol. He'll eat from all of it, from all the food that would be brought to him. Right, and then give the bracha to, to his kids. And then Yaakov it says this week's parsha. Right, Yisav says yeshli rav, and Yaakov says no yeshli kol. I have everything. So that's Bakomi Kol Kol's reference to the Ovos. Says Ramelech, unbelievable pshat. He says, notice the circumstances in, in the time of the Ovos when all of those psukim are said. At all of those times, the Ovos were having a difficult time. Life was tough. But life was not simple. And Avram had just buried his wife. Couldn't find a wife for Yitzchak. Yitzchak was, Ochel Mikol is right after he realized that Esau Right, had the pit of Gehenna open up underneath him. Right, that uh, right after Yitzchak realized he'd been favoring the wrong son. Right, uh, however you understand that. Right, and Yaakov, right then when Esav was coming to, towards him with four hundred men, right, to kill him, to influence him, right, to, to to stay with him, to travel with him. Those were the four, the three times when the others were having very difficult times. But Dafka then. Dafka then is when the full brother is coming to a person. Even in the difficult times, when a person, if a person has a, is, is nervous, etc., but if they're meschazik and they're imuna, they realize that everything is gamzul tova, that's when the greatest bracha can come. Right? Like when it says after Rebbe Melech also, it says when after Avram buried Sarah, the Pazak says, Vayakom Avram meso, that Avram got up after burying his wife. And he got up. He refused to fall. Right? He refused to fall, and he got up. So when a person has a difficult time, it's important. Again, I, maybe I'm just focusing on these different Torah because you know, I've been in the hospital with my three-year-old for a bit. But okay, Baruch Hashem, when, when a person is, uh, and we should continue to see in Rufuos and Nisim and Flows, but when a person is, has th- does things that tough that times are tough and things are scary and you don't know what's going to be, Dafka then is, is the tremendous bracha, is the greatest bracha Kosh Baruch Hu, uh, is going to give us. And not necessarily immediately afterwards, could be even 22 years later, but like we have by Yaakov. But really, everything is Gamzul Tov and the Kosh Baruch Hu is taking care of us. Okay, finally, finally, one more vort, uh, quickly. Uh, the Parsha tells us, right, then, then when Yaakov, uh, 
uh, cross the river, right, right before uh, he met Esau's angel, right, Yaakov crossed the Yabok River right, with his wives and his 11 kids. So Rashi there says, right, where is Dina? Dina, obviously, he had a daughter also. So Yaakov, says Rashi, fascinating. Dina Hechen Haisa, where is she? Nasna Bateva Venal Bifanea Shalitin Ba Esav Enov. That he put her in a box and locked it so that Esav should not see her. And then Rashi says, That's why Yaakov was punished right afterwards. That he withheld Dina from his brother. Because maybe Dina would have brought Esav to do tshuva. And therefore, what happened right after that? Right after that, Dina was raped. I, I heard an unbelievable chat from Revavram Willig from this Rashi. Rashi writes that Yaakov was punished. Again, punished for withholding his daughter from Esav Arasha because maybe she would have brought him Maybe she would have brought him to do tshuva. What in the world does that mean? Esav, you tell me Yaakov was punished for not giving his daughter Dina to Esav because she could have made him a tzaddik? Esav grew up with one of the Imahos as his mother, one of the Avos as his father, one of the Avos as his brother. His grandfather was one of the Avos. His grandmother was one of the Imahos. All the, this is not some guy who's just like been bumming around the world and all of a sudden meets Dina and she's a tremendous tzaddikus. What in the world was Dina supposed to do? So it says Revelig, unbelievable, yes. Enochinami, all those tzaddikim were involved in Esau's life, but none of those tzaddikim were married to him. The inc- that there's an incredible influence that a spouse can have, both ways. Right? The influence that a wife can have in her husband, certainly, as we see over here, uh, is... Uh, is something that cannot be understated. That theory, again, clearly in Rashi, that if Dina could have had this tremendous impact on Isa, if she would have been married to him, she could have swayed him to Yiddishkeit, to become, uh, to become from. And because Yaakov held Dina back from this possibility, he was punished with the, all that story with, uh, with Shechem. Um, again, that's just, without, it's Arab Shabbos, so, you know, when, uh, I don't want to belabor the point, but an unbelievable message for those who are either dating or engaged or married, that this, the influence that a spouse has right, in both directions right, can't be understated. Uh, again, the Medrash, just, just the one more marker, says, you know, in Parshish Korach, that uh, how Own, compares how Own Ben Pellet's wife saved Own Ben Pellet, right, because she realized that, that Korach was up to no good, so she sat outside of his tent, and when they, come to, uh, when they came to get him, so she took off her hair, right, and they didn't want to go in, right, so she saved him from being involved in that, and, and while I, as Korach's wife, right, encouraged him, right, uh, uh, to kind of rebel, right, I think what's the Pazik of Mishle, uh, that, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly, but it, 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 the, the, the influence that a spouse has in both directions, can't be understated, and a person has to really be mischazic in the sense that, you know, when a person's looking for a spouse, first of all, they have to realize that uh, how much it's going to impact them, and then the way their spouse thinks is going to influence the way that they think, and then after they've found that spouse, so then, again, to continue to be mischazic each other, right, uh, and, and, you know, really grow together, because there's no one else, no one else is going to be able to help a person uh, reach the heights that they're supposed to get to, um, and that's, uh, and it's a shame we should always to to really, uh, uh, it's really reached tremendous heights with with uh, spiritual heights with our spouses. Okay, uh, that's uh, yeah. Okay, we're gonna, I guess we're going to call it here and Mitzvah next week. So we'll uh, have a bit of a longer shear and uh, hopefully see you guys on Zoom. Have a tremendous Shabbos.